0: Things that are known but aren't really talked about enough is the first year of a new business, especially in trucking. The majority of these companies will fail. And if you do make it past the first year, you're going to be wearing a ton of hats and faced with an enormous challenge of keeping up with the big dogs out there. So, how do you avoid these common pitfalls of starting a new trucking business? And then, what solutions are there to help you once you get through the first year in order to manage it all effectively as you can? We're all wearing multiple hats, so in today's show, we're going to be breaking down how to avoid those common pitfalls and with insight on the new tech to help you manage it all. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumleave, and on this show, we talk about B2B marketing, the creator economy, the attention economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about the first of the month social media and marketing news, how recent updates will probably, maybe probably help shape the rest of your 2021 and 2022 budgets. And then we're also going to be chatting with Miles Varghese. He is the co-founder and CEO of CargoLogic. And then we're also going to be chatting with Ramil Watley. He is the host and founder of the Truck and Hustle podcast. So it's a jam packed show we got for you today. So let's go ahead and dive into the first topic. And that's the first of the month updates. This is going to be a new recurring segment on the Cyberly show where I'm going to break down the latest social media news, marketing news, and how it all really fits into your world and how you can effectively manage it all. Because it's really challenging to keep up with not only everything that's going on in the logistics world, but also to keep up with everything that's going on in the marketing world. I know firsthand how challenging that is. And so this is going to serve as a roundup of the latest news and how that and how that will affect potentially your digital marketing plan moving forward. Because. It's really important in today's marketing world to remain agile and to jump on trends quickly and effectively, but not also not to overwhelm yourself with everything that's going on. And so with this segment, let's go ahead and dive into the first news update, and that is Facebook testing a huge update to the Instagram platform in order to keep up with TikTok. And you guessed it, it's another copycat feature. Adam Moresi, or Mossery, that's actually how you say his name, is the head of Instagram. And he posted a video this week in which he announced that the Facebook-owned app will focus on video. This probably broke the hearts of lots of photographers out there that have loved publishing their work as a static photo to the site. But that is changing because video is hot, it's remaining hot, and it's going to be hot for the foreseeable future. And in Mossery's talk, he mentioned a few interesting quotes that I'm going to translate for you. Uh, first quote being, Instagram is prioritizing private messaging, e-commerce, and influencers instead of its original mainstay of friends posting photos in the feed, as he pointed to huge competition from TikTok. Now, a translation of that statement means our Discover page on Instagram is trash, we hate the chronological feeds, we meaning Instagram hates them, and they don't think you want to see the people you actually follow. So they're going to make it easier for you to follow the brands that they think are safe. The next quote that I thought was interesting is he said, social media companies are increasingly seeking to reposition themselves as destinations for entertainment or shopping, and which can be easier to monetize and less problematic and content moderation than individual's personal posts, which a translation of that statement meaning content moderation is very hard and we don't know how to fix it. So here's a bunch of photos from companies that we think are safe and that will pay us money. So that's another big move that Instagram is making. They want to, if you're familiar with TikTok, you know that as soon as you open up the app, their first feed that they show you is your For You page. And that is their play off of Instagram's Discover page, which Instagram's Discover page is a hot mess. There's hardly anything on there that is of interest. It's more clickbaity. It's more feels like the bad ads that you see on a lot of news sites that are just trashy and uh, kind of gross, like borderline gross. So that's really what Instagram's Discover page is versus TikTok, where their for you page, which is a, kind of like a Discover page, is is really showing you a lot of value. At least in my experience, it's showing you a lot of value you. So that is the transition that Instagram is trying to make. I don't know how they're going to make it with their algorithm changes, but it's one of those things where they're trying to keep up. And instead of developing new features or focusing on the features that made them famous, like photos, they are instead just going to keep copycatting and see if something sticks. The final quote that I thought was probably the most, I guess, painful for for the photographers out there is Mossery said, video is driving an immense amount of growth online for all the major platforms right now. And it's one that I think we need to lean into more. We are no longer a photo sharing app which that last line is a direct shot at the plain old photos that you see on Instagram that are probably not they're not going to be going away. They're still going to cater to photos. It's just they're not going to have a higher priority in the feed itself. So that translation is our users haven't gravitated towards IGTV and Instagram reels like we had hoped. So we're just going to keep ripping off YouTube and TikTok until something sticks, because that's exactly what Instagram has been doing is they just if they can't buy the company like they attempted to buy Snapchat, they'll just steal all of the features and create Instagram stories. If they can't buy TikTok or buy YouTube, which I mean, I don't know any company that could realistically, maybe Apple buy YouTube because they're just so massive and, and so valuable. But it's one of those things where you see these shifts that these social media networks are making. And how do you pivot? How do you use those strategies in your content marketing plan and your content distribution plan in order to create more brand awareness and ultimately help turn those visiting eyeballs into customers? So the key takeaways. I would say are e-commerce is the future for Instagram, Uh, whether they're prioritizing reels, photos, or showing an ad after every three posts. But shopping on Instagram is probably one of their strengths. I know that when I make a purchase on social media, it's usually through Instagram. And it's usually because I've seen the same ad five or six times. And I say, okay, finally, I need to get this so I can just either A, get rid of the ad or hide it or it's serving me that ad because I've shown interest in that brand before. So I I try to pay attention to the things that make me convert on social media and then using those, studying those ads. And you can then take that insight it's anecdotal but you can take that anecdotal insight and then you can apply it to other ways that you hopefully you can help other people make that buying decision so e-commerce is obviously the a, a big push for instagram it is for the other social media apps but i would say that tiktok and and instagram do it by far the best right now because i can't tell you also how many times i've been on tiktok and i've seen somebody review an amazon product or unbox it and i go right to amazon and i add that thing to my cart so, e commerce is obviously the future for not just Instagram, but for all social media apps. But I definitely see that being a primary focus for Instagram in the future. So, you can either you could probably knowing this news you can exploit sort of Instagram strategy and use it to your advantage because their desire is to continue to sell and to continue to get these eyeballs on different products and posts and, and keep that attention on their platform. So knowing that you can use that to your advantage and use it to your advantage within your marketing strategies. Now, you need to also be thinking of ways to incorporate short-form video into your marketing plans. We covered this on the very first episode of Cyberly, where short-form video is here to stay. Go watch that video. It's in the YouTube playlist on the FreightWaves channel. First video in the feed, as soon as you click on the playlist, you'll be able to watch it because short-form video is here to stay. And with Instagram putting a greater focus on Uh, on vertical video, not necessarily horizontal video, they want more vertical video. Because if you think about it, let's use my phone as an example. So if you're on your mobile device, if you're looking at your phone, look at all this real estate that a vertical video takes over. If you're looking at a horizontal video, it's only going to be a portion of that video that or a portion of the screen that the video takes up. So from a marketing lens, you want to think of it, how much digital real estate can I take up? And vertical video is the answer. Now you can take other videos, other horizontal videos, and you can convert them into a vertical video or a vertical style video. I've also seen people use horizontal video and they just add text, I've done it myself, where they'll take a horizontal video and then they'll add text to the top and maybe captions at the bottom and boom, you have a vertical video. So those are instances of where you can take your strategy of the pillar content that you are creating, and then turn it into these different formats on these different channels that these other channels are prioritizing. So just keep that in mind, that vertical video definitely has, obviously, it has more real estate. And if you're video is three minutes or under, you can upload it to TikTok. And if it's under a minute, you can upload it to YouTube Shorts, which YouTube Shorts is a the number one way that I'm getting subscribers right now. other creators that I follow, they're getting subscribers as well, simply because they're prioritizing YouTube Shorts, which is a video under a minute, while TikTok is now three minutes. And yes, three minutes, because just last week, TikTok, allowed all users. Usually they they roll this out in batches, but for TikTok they rolled it out for everyone or I would say 90% of creators on the platform. Now all everybody has access to upload up to 3 minute long videos in the app. And so that is something new that just came out down the pipeline. And so if you're curious about TikTok, if you're curious about jumping on some of these newer platforms, which TikTok has been around for a few years now, so they're not necessarily new, but they are one of the top downloaded apps and have been So for probably the past year, year and a half, especially during COVID where TikTok just blew up, but there are more and more logistics brands that are joining TikTok. And I I found a few of my favorites that I followed for a little while. And maybe if you've watched the show before, you have seen them too. But let me pull up the first one. The first one is NFI. They have been on TikTok for a while. And this is an example of one of their recruiting videos. They also cover company history. They cover driver safety, uh, workplace culture, all kinds of things. And this is a traditional logistics company that's using their marketing messaging and they're translating it to a new platform. Now that video, they can take that video and then put it up on YouTube shorts. They can also add it to Instagram and IGTV technically, or, or Instagram reels. They can add it both to there. So you start with one piece of content and then see how you can distribute it out to the other platforms. That makes sense. The next one on the list that I really love following, and she just started her, her new account is Logistalks.
1: Brokers like to try. First one. Hey, you're calling about uh, New Jersey to Illinois? Yeah. I mean, I, I had four of these. So it looks like this one's the last one left. Yeah, I I gotta be at twelve hundred on this one. What's that? Uh, okay, you have a cover?
2: Oh, uh,
0: hold, hold on, hold on one second. Hey, so, hey, sorry, sorry, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, I, uh, you know, I can get this loan for you. Someone else is trying to grab it, but um, the best I can do is a twelve hundred. Do you do you want this one? Fifteen? See? Yeah, I don't. It looks like there's already an offer in there for fifteen, and they just turned it down. So probably the best I can do is a fourteen on it. See, now this that is a great example of just taking workplace culture and adding it into your own with your own spin on it and adding it to a social media account. She's already garnered thousands of followers already just talking about working at a freight or working as a freight broker. So that's another really good one to follow and a good example of how to get some inspiration for your own channel. The next one, if you watch the show before, you have seen his videos, but I'm going to promote him again because I think his videos are just fantastic. This is Trucker Wazir
1: been trucking for one year! Oh! Yeah, yeah my boy. Okay! After one full year of truck driving, let's go over my expectations versus my reality. Whoa. Expectation? I'm definitely gonna get rich. Reality is, any money trouble I did have, it's now fixed, and I don't have to stress about paying any bills anymore. So I got a little money, but not a lot of money. Expectation, this is super complicated. <laughs> I can never figure out how to do this job. Reality, with enough training and time, this human brain, this one right here, even with all the screws loose, you can learn anything. Expectation, eight weeks, two months on the road, I'm gonna miss my family. Reality, I don't even like my family that much. You don't love his family. Yo, family, bro. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I love my family. I love my friends. So the time I spend with them now, I value even more.
0: What a great this man is a one man recruiting machine, because if you check the comments on a lot of his posts, there are people who are actively saying, I want to be a truck driver, where can I learn more, or you're making me want to become a truck driver. If I'm a recruiter, I'm checking the comments of his posts, and I'm going there and I'm contacting every single person that has expressed interest in learning about truck driving. It, it, he's a one-man recruiting machine with some of the best trucking content on TikTok and really on any social media platform. So I can't sing the praises of him enough. Um, the final one that I want to show you guys is Rai Shararski. I'm butchering his last name, but this is beautiful. He's, he, he's a creative photographer, obviously, because he takes such stunning footage. But this is another person that should be hired as a creative director at a big logistics firm. And, and if you don't hire him, just pay him for his photography and his video work because it's hands down some of the best in the industry, if not the best. It's you can tell he has an eye for visuals, an eye for the camera. And it's one of those things that I, I think that there aren't enough companies that are taking the creative approach, especially when it comes to the photos and the videos that you show off on your social media profiles and on your website. And so these are these are different, those four accounts should be the perfect illustration of of how you can take your creative, your position, and then move it into a creative view or even a funny view or a meme type view, just showing your company off, showing off your knowledge or showing off your skills that are outside traditionally of trucking or or of any other aspect of the logistics industry. Those four accounts are amazing and I highly, highly recommend to give them a follow. So using all of this inspiration and using all of this news, what are the takeaway lessons? You're going to use this news in order to format the rest of your 2021 plans because the rest of your 2021 plans are the only time that you're really going to be able to experiment and see if some of these things are working for you and your company. If you're a one-person marketing show, you're going to want to pick two, maybe three of these social media accounts are really just mediums that you want to dive into. And you want to start with video because video can then be turned into audio and it can be turned into photos and it can also be turned into graphics that you use across all of your social media accounts, but starting with video first and then incorporating that into your distribution strategy will help you experiment because the next holiday that's coming up is Halloween. And then before you know it, it's the holidays and New Year's goals. And it's also going to be budgeting season. And for budgeting season, if you have a marketing budget set aside, you're going to have to be able to justify what you spent in 2021 and how you project that budget is going to change in 2022. So start experimenting using this news and using using some of these strategies that we've talked throughout all of our episodes. You can go back and watch them if you want. We got it linked in the comments where you can find the rest of the episodes, but start experimenting with the rest of 2021, tw- the rest of this year and that will lead into your budgeting for 2022 and how you're going to spend your time and how you're going to spend your energy. Now, Let's go into our next guest because he has a really good experience on social media. And so let's go ahead and bring in Miles Varghese. He is the co founder and CEO of Cargo Logic. Welcome in, Miles.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, Blythe. Long time. Uh, really right. appreciate it. Been following you for a minute now and, and excited to be on. Thanks for, thanks for having me and, and having us.
0: Likewise, very much uh, enjoying watching your your rise to success. But for those who don't know about your career and your, your background, how did you get into the world of logistics?
3: So I got into logistics um, just by kind of happenstance. Um, I, I feel like logistics kind of called to me. Um, I started off uh, in the tech uh, community here in Miami around 2014. There wasn't much happening uh, back then. Um, but kind of bounced around between a couple of different um, you know, tech companies and eventually got into a, a company called Octopi, um, which is a company that we bootstrapped, ended up bootstrapping here in Miami. And one of the investors in the first startup I was a part of, a company called Live Ninja, referred me uh, over to, to my co-founders at that venture where I spent um, the next two, little over two years. Uh, and we ended up getting acquired. Um, but that first port terminal uh, startup, uh, Octopi was focused on port terminal operating systems. Uh, so we just kind of got immediately exposed to large terminal operators, shipping lines, um, the, the the technology scene you know around it, of course, uh, and and it was also good timing in the sense that um, a lot of the incubators and accelerators, I would say globally uh, were coming up into the space. And I would still say it's it's early days, you know so so just kind of a little little bit of luck um, you know by design, uh, just got 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 into this scene and found out that ninety percent of everything comes through a container. Uh, and then got hooked. And, and uh, that, that Octopi journey was a good one through acquisition. And now I'm here uh, on this next venture in the co-founding role uh, at CargoLogic.
0: And, and now you mentioned that you're based in Miami, which for, for folks who don't know, I mean, obviously over the last year, there's sort of been an, an, an explosion in talent that has come from across the globe, really, uh, primarily I would say across the US, and now moving over to Miami. What is that ex- What has that experience been like to watch the shift, I guess, from from a national perspective of, of how people have been flocking to Miami from other states in order to to really take advantage of the tech scene that is is going crazy down there?
3: It's almost surreal uh, because, you know, if you're in the tech scene, you always kind of look at Silicon Valley um, and, and some of these top tier tech hubs as what you want to be, what you want your community to be. You know, these people have access to investors, VCs, angels, you know, you just assume things you know, come easier for them. Uh, and being in Miami before like this wave happened, the mentality of the great startups here in Miami, I feel like the momentum has been building over time. was just a hustle and, and to work really hard. Uh, and it just means that you have to compete with um, folks that may have easier access to prospects or, or to funding. Um, so to kind of see it shift and change to something that's probably more um, equal, equilibrial to like, you know, e- equal to, uh, to to Silicon Valley has been really cool. So you're starting to get invited through Twitter. You know, folks are, are just tagging you when VCs are coming down. Uh, there's a legitimate interest, uh, both at the angel and the VC level, especially into this space. You know, so that's been uh, really cool to kind of see. But overall, uh, Miami's quickly morphing, you know, thanks to Mayor Suarez. Uh, and now, you know, there's an entire, like, formal venture Miami team. So basically a portion of the government devoted towards the act of attracting uh, these tech companies and facilitating innovation, uh, thanks to the new mayor. Uh, has really driven uh, a massive uh, influx, as you mentioned, and and it's definitely uh, leveling up um, our, our tech um, our tech skills, right? It's definitely leveling up the the quality of caliber and the people that we have in here, but also bringing in more more liquidity, more capital, more private funds, more VCs, more partners, more corporate partners as well, uh, and even enterprise customers, especially with Miami being the the hub of uh, logistics for LATAM. Um, that that's all kind of evolved and come on pretty quickly. So it's been a really fun experience uh, and cool to see things getting a little bit easier. Of course, you know a little more commoditized, a little more challenging, um, but um, definitely um, the uh, it's becoming easier. I would say to launch a venture here, to raise capital, and and to find talent.
0: Yeah, the mayor has been all over Twitter, which has been fascinating to watch because he's really the, I, I would say, the most famous mayor on, on Twitter. So that's been great. He's like a one-man recruiting machine. Has that talent that has been coming to the city, has that spilled over into logistics at all? Or are, are you seeing any kind of correlations um, between the tech and, and the logistics side of things?
3: Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, PayCargo was the most recent um, massive um, sort of liquidity uh, and, and investment event that, that happened where they just cut a deal with Fiat. Um, they raised a couple hundred million. Shipmunk um, uh, is down here. Um, there's a lot of great warehousing space and things like that. Um, so I would definitely say that the logistics scene is absolutely um, seeing uh, a positive shift. And 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 even beyond that, um, you know, being a member of the economic development arm uh, and sitting on the trade and logistics committee at the Beacon Council, which is Miami-Dade's, you know, EDO, um, it's been cool to see um, because there is a talent like development pipeline, you know, so there are, are folks, you know, that have been before this technology rush devoted to structurally um, building a, a, tech, a tech and not only a tech, but even a, just a, a pure talent pipeline, you know, into warehousing, you know, into trucking. Uh, and so that's been kind of coming along. And I think that now with this, this larger influx, and, and of course, you know, cool tech startups, you know, be um, showing up for logistics, it's definitely um, having an impact. We're starting to see more folks kind of get into logistics, but that's not to say that, you know, Miami is immune to the current challenges that we see in the supply chain. It's very hard um, to retain people right now. It's very hard still to find new labor as I think it is for everywhere. Uh, you probably know better than me, but um, it seems to be a, an ongoing challenge, you know, but there has always been a devoted group of folks, you know, baked into the government, into the local community, the the private community, the public sector uh, to drive um, more more internships, to drive, you know, and we're taking one right now through Miami-Dade. County public schools, um, but there's a structural drive, you know, to even get startups in like ourselves uh, involved at an early stage. So, so definitely seeing uh, a a good, nice, you know, I would say the start of of a strong shift into logistics um, at scale.
0: Well, speaking of that, that shift of of people that are coming to the city of Miami, they, you know, a lot of people came earlier in the year, but temperatures are nice. The humidity isn't as bad. How are those folks de- dealing with uh, July in, in Florida with the heat, humidity? We just had the first hurricane go to the state. Uh, is everybody uh, flocking back to their their home state or are they staying put?
3: Yeah, so uh, so so. You know, just like probably up there, in, you know, in in in, uh, in northern Florida, same thing. You know, here, um, you know, it's 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 definitely getting hot. It's definitely getting humid. The mosquitoes are coming out. But I've been pleasantly surprised talking to some of this new wave of talent uh, that have have come into the scene from all over, from San Francisco, Austin, uh, New York, uh, and they seem surprisingly unfazed. Um, but one of my uh, new buddies from San Francisco who moved into town, said that's what you know, a low tax rate and, and great cafecito, you know, great Cuban coffee uh, will do. Um, so it seems like it's not having a massive impact, surprisingly. Of course, you know some people are are, are going back to New York, but um, it does seem like there's an intention to come back or to split time. And I've even heard of some pretty influential uh, folks uh, up uh, in, in Freight Alley, um, you know kind of coming down and spending you know at least six months of the year. Uh, here in Miami and you're starting to see that uh, and, and, and bumping into uh, supply chain players almost organically now um, but um, but definitely uh, they seem to be staying strong at least for now and I think uh, with the storms and the hurricanes and all the rain it's been maybe a little bit cooler so, so maybe it hasn't been the, the the ultimate representation of of a Miami summer or you know South Florida you know Florida summer um, but but it seems like they're not running away as fast as we thought they would
0: just wait until August. <laughs> That'll be the yeah, true right. Test we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That'll be the true test. Uh, just you know, I guess keep in mind with the hurricanes to uh, throw a party for anything that's a category two or under. That's what a true Floridian would do. And always keep bug spray on you. Those are my two tips. <laughs> now yeah, I, and, I, and, I you and you mentioned
3: and, and only oh, grab ahead. water. You know, like the <laughs> night before. You know, and, and get gas <laughs> like maybe the, the day it's coming. That's
0: usually how right. we roll. <laughs> yeah, because in anything else, it's like, all right, well, you're you're gonna have to actually evacuate if it's a category three or even higher. Uh, for most places, and so then you'll just take care of your supplies when you're on the road. So it's, exactly, <laughs> there you your, <laughs> there's your there's your hurricane <laughs> handybook from from Miles and Blythe. Now, I, you mentioned a lot of uh, you know, VC funding and and from that aspect of the side of the coin, and I I'm someone who's very naive. To how VC funding, angel investing all works. Can you break down how the idea for Cargo Logic came about and where VC fits into all of this?
3: Absolutely. Um, so, with regard to venture capitalists and, and angels, right, the idea at a high level is that these players that have a ton of capital, preferably expertise, you usually want someone who's been in the industry, who's operating a business, who's got some technical chops or some connections you usually want to find someone especially in our space in our niche where everything is so focused on relationships so you you normally want to find uh these players that are looking to make um these types of bets um and um to put them into companies right and 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 now we're starting to see you know like more money flowing uh and skewing even towards the earlier stage seed companies so i would say now especially for freight forwarding and, and shipping is a fantastic time uh you know to kind of be um you know, in, in this space uh, and, and the reason why I would say um, that the um, that this play is kind of happening now is that because, you know, the acceleration of e-commerce, um, you know, COVID, right? The silver lining, uh, everyone's buying things from home and the supply chain, of course, is in flux. Uh, and, and and as a result, um, you know, these VCs and angels are looking for, OK, you know, I've invested in some e-commerce startups. You know, what's the next thing you know, tied to e-commerce, right? What's the derivative of, of, of e-commerce, Um and uh, that is supply chain, right, and, and freight forwarding uh, brokerage. And so you're starting to see a lot more attention being paid into the space. Uh, and, and as for uh, you know, CargoLogic, uh, the venture itself was was founded um, you know, in 2019. I joined my co-founder um, when they just had mock-ups, you know, so, so um, I'll give, my some, give myself some credit for that. But I joined the team a couple months after they started um, building the application uh, in, in the summer of 2019. Uh, and Luis Trujillo Jr., who's my co founder in the venture, he belongs to a shipping family. So there's, um, you know, his father's really active investor, uh, Luis uh, Fernando uh, Trujillo Sr., and he's also one of the biggest investors in our company, along with Rocker Labs, which is, you know, the office that I'm in, uh, this co working uh, digital venture company um, based in Miami. So Luis, my co founder, saw an opportunity being, you know, digital native, you know, just operating on, you know, and seeing how Amazon works. Um, You know, just seeing that, hey, there's probably a better way where we can facilitate how freight forwarders, especially the smaller ones, which is family owns one of those companies in in Guayaquil uh, in Ecuador, um, can do business with their customers, right? There's just a better way to just kind of digitize uh, basic operations. And and that's kind of, um, you know, how how we got started. And and, uh, it started with a seed investment um, from Luis's uh, family, you know, uh, so his particularly his his shipping holding company, a company called Grupo Holco and Rocker Labs here in Miami. Uh, and then some more angels got involved, you know, including, you know, our, our own employees too, which is really cool. Uh, and, and since then, right, the idea is, you know, raise capital, build, listen to the market more than anything. Uh, and then you want to take that capital uh, that that people are taking a gamble on you. Uh, and then you want to just show proof, right? Say, Hey, like, this is what I told you I was going to do. I've acquired X number of customers. I've generated this MRR. And even if, you know, you don't have a massive amount of revenue now these days, venture capitalists and and, and the right angels, if you're able to find them, of course, you'll pitch you know over 100 times but if you find the right people that that that, that understand your business and your model um, a lot of them will take that early bet on you and and help you grow and scale through their relationships
0: i love that it's definitely it, it, it's more of a investing in the idea of, of the product initially and then you got to start showing your proof and you, you do that by listening to your customers which is key i love that aspect now switching gears to the customer side of things you spoke about the importance of independent freight forwarders brokers and other lsps in the industry what signifies an indie player, and what keeps them up at night? That your that Cargo Logic is hoping to solve.
3: Great question, right? So, so for the the indie players that we refer to, so for us, uh, we're a freight collaboration and communication platform, and, and you know, like we're talking about here, we're aimed at these small to medium independent freight forwarders and brokers, and generally these are you know, to to, to kind of classify them, these are folks that have probably been in business for ten or fifteen years. Uh, it could also be like a newer company that's just starting up, and they don't need a massive cargo operating system or anything expensive really to run their operations. Um, But at the end of the day, um, when you're a smaller player, you're usually not having the budget, right? You don't have the same tech budget, the innovation teams that DHL, FedEx, Kuhn and Nagel have. You can't probably not, you're you're probably not going to be able to compete with Flexport and, and, you know, build, um, you know, uh, freight marketplaces. Right. And, And even if you use those systems as a smaller player, sometimes, um, you know, there's a trade-off that happens between the revenue that you generate and also your long-term differentiation. Uh, and then the last piece I would say that that these, um, these smaller logistics service providers have to deal with is they also are worried about the liners that they've historically been in business with, right, for the last, you know, 10, 15, you know, 50 years um, building their own systems, right? So now um, CMA, CGM, right, has their own Direct booking systems, uh, Maersk Spot, Maersk Twill, like all these platforms exist now, where you can directly go and book cargo. Uh, and so, these independent freight forwarders that have been around for a long time are seeing, you know, these former partners, new tech entrants, um, you know, and and they don't have the budget to build software and to build technology. And so, what they're seeing is really, really tough margins, right? And I think everyone in our space uh, is familiar with that, uh, as low as you know, fifty dollars a box. You know, we've talked to independent players that actually have no idea. Um, that they're, if they're profitable or not. You know, so our goal really is to kind of help them uh, with that and to get a better idea of you know, which accounts they should pay attention to, which ones they don't, uh, and then kind of simplifying their day. So for us, uh, we're trying to help these smaller players and especially these commercial teams, you know, instead of balancing out 10, 12 customers in their head, pen, paper, Excel, maybe an old TMS and, and a couple other systems that aren't integrated to give them a more proper customer-facing solution that they can extend to their customers. And it's almost like uh, an Amazon um, logistics timeline meets a DHL tracking number. I would say is like our first step in uh, for, like the commercial, um, for the commercial teams. And, and that's where we get started. And, and from there, um, we just kind of build this, this system that creates alerts between both parties, you know, lets them know and spin up their own logistics timelines, post updates to them. Their customers can see them, you know, hit refresh. So they're no longer texting, Hey, where's my cargo? Uh, you know, four or five times a day, or, you know, has that form been cleared? Uh, And that's, you know, the type of things that that are keeping up um, these independent players uh, at night. Uh, It's really basic uh, operations. And, and, um, you know, they're really, you know, for such a massive market, there hasn't been a significant amount of tools, especially in the small to medium sector um, that are uh, that are fitting the bill. And I think with the advancements of web based technology and and um, you know, the precedent that's been set by like, companies like Slack, HubSpot, Box, you know, where you can kind of come in like, hey, try us out for free. I think that's been, been changing the game a bit. But, but those are usually the bigger things um, that's been been keeping up um, our target market and, and these independent freight forwarders uh, and brokers around the world.
0: Now, you, you mentioned with a lot of them that they've been in business for 10 or 15 years uh, and technology is increasingly becoming a must, not a, a want. And so for these companies that are trying to, to tread water and then also invest in these newer technologies, how are you sort of easing that, that tech phobia uh, burden for them?
3: Great question. For for us, right? And, and speaking from like a technical perspective, we know that our, you know, the, the, the technical term is called time to value. So, what is like the one thing that someone does when they interact with your software, and what's like the easiest thing that you can like convince them to take a step into your software and to sign up and to try it out? Um, you know, that's the hardest part, right? Because I think this industry is really premised upon relationships. Um, you know, folks are afraid of technology. Um, you know, and, and not because they're scared of it, but but usually they have that it ain't broke, don't fix it. A type mentality i think that is 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 rapidly uh shifting um but for us knowing that when you start tracking your cargo that's when the magic starts happening um so for us like once you start putting in you know a master bill of lading into the system once you get to like four or five in there and you start seeing these beautiful logistics timelines populating that you can copy and paste like a dhl tracking number or amazon timeline uh, and you start sending them to your customers you know that's when things start getting a little more interesting and then they start seeing that okay not only do I get the self-populating logistics timeline, but I also have my documents that are stored here. So I'm not searching for my Google Drive, your Dropbox, um, you know, for, for, for key, you know, customs clearance forms, you know, documents, um, you know, proofs of insurance, you know, purchase orders, invoices, you know, all sorts of things like that. You know, all those things are usually fractured on both sides. You're sending 30 to 50 emails, you know, per container. Um. So what um, for for us, the key is really to just get that first step in. Um, so before we like, you know, hammer you and throw Hey, you know, you also have quoting, booking support. You also have communication, you know, in here where we can replace WhatsApp and, and WeChat. And, you know, before all of that, the the hardest thing is just to get your foot in the door. And for us, mm. um, the way that we've been able to do that was, you know, saying, Hey, you know, your first 10 master bills of lading and cargo logic are, are completely free. There's no charge. There's no time box for it. So you literally can go in, anyone can go in, you know, no credit card two screens, sign up for the system, and then get their feet wet, see that logistics timeline, send it to the customer. And when that customer comes back, say, hey, this is really cool. I never saw that, that you could do this before. It'll slowly become you know, a standard uh, procedure. And then the idea is that that customer will join you. So just like Slack or Microsoft Teams, you know, when that customer is ready, they're not being forced to. But if that customer wants to join you on the platform, because again, we're not trying to force anyone to, to create another login or password they're going to forget anyways. The idea is we can mm-hmm. softly pull them into the platform. And this is kind of like the modern way to kind of do it these days. Product-led growth um, you know, is, is sort of the technical term for that as well. But building out a system um, that's open enough to pull people in, that's easy to use, um, and, and that they're going to be willing to give their time to it and also share it with their customers. And once that customer joins them, that's when the application becomes much more stickier. And then we start seeing success with our customers. But, But that's kind of been our our, uh, our strategy and, and probably the, the number one thing It's really about, you know, can you convince someone in this industry who's very wary and looking over their shoulder often a lot, um, you know, very commoditized space, you know, can you convince them enough uh, to give you a shot and to get that first step in the door? Because once you can do that, you can kind of prove to them that you can do everything else for them and, and improve their experience.
0: I love that. Don't overwhelm them. Show them the value first on a a complimentary basis and then start letting adding in those extra things, because I feel like with tech, it's so easy to become overwhelmed. But if you can save somebody some time, then uh, they're they're more than likely to invest that extra time into learning more about your platform. So I, I love that approach. Now, switching gears a little bit. Speaking of of social media, as we talked about earlier in the show, you are very active on Twitter. You write a great newsletter up on LinkedIn, but I wanted to go ahead and bring up one of your tweets because this was kind of news to me and the tweet asked anyone in supply chain or Miami (laughs) tech network play CODM, which is an acronym for call of duty on mobile. You said you need a battle partner going into the third week of this global championship. Is this some kind of like a secret logistics gaming network that you're part of?
3: I think it might be. Uh, We got, uh, (laughs) well, I I wasn't able to secure, sadly, I wasn't able to secure any tech CEOs who were focused on logistics. So that'll be the next play. So, you know, if any of your viewers are out there, I'm down to play, um, you know, with them. But but, uh, my wife's not super happy about it, of course, uh, (laughs) nor is my dog, I don't think, but Got got pretty competitive, I guess, with it, uh, and it's just like the game you play on the phone. It's been a good, you know, uh, source of like just stress relief, you know, after a hard call or you know a long day of of, of Zoom calls, right? Or or, or podcasting, you just want to kind of disconnect a bit. Uh, it's been good, you know. So I am recruiting uh, logistics professionals and players <laughs> that I can probably you know play with, uh, but there there is like a global you know championship running, and and they force you, which has also been cool, right? Because it's also kind of very relationship-based, it forces you to kind of like step out of your comfort zone so saying that, yeah, yeah, you've been playing with these people, but you actually now have to go like find people and then connect with them, build a relationship, add them to your team, and then compete to continue like competing with this global challenge thing. Um well, the It's just,
0: it's <laughs> just all a, a form of networking. That's all. You can just bill it as that. Relationship. All right. Fi- yeah. <laughs> right. Relationship building and networking. You know. All right. Final <laughs> question for you. Uh, what's next for Cargo Logic and where can people follow more of your work?
3: Thank you, Blythe. Um, so next up for Cargo Logic, we're just going to keep our heads down and to continue executing. We're fortunate enough to have you know over two hundred customers uh, on the platform, and what's really cool across one hundred and fifty countries. and And I think that's pretty significant, too, because that means that we're building a globally configurable system, and we spent a lot of last year just just talking to the customer. We've had hundreds of conversations, and now going forward, it's just a matter of continuing to listen. Getting folks, you know, willing to take us, uh, take a look at our system, giving us a shot, and then maybe having a 20-30 minute call with them. Uh, but eventually, we're moving into, you know, the, the sort of uh, model that you see at HubSpot, right, or, or, or Slack, or, or or any of these freemium sort of solutions, where basically, you know, give us a shot, try it out. If you like it, keep using it. Invite your friends. And that's what uh, we're going to continue focusing on: activation, engagement, and then also improving the shipper experience, right? Because it's a two-sided facing application uh, for the second half of, of this year and then into next year.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I love what you said about getting closer to the customer because whoever gets closest to the customer wins. So thank you so much for your time, Miles. And we'll be sure to link to all of Logic's projects and social media platforms in the show notes. So thank you again, Miles. Thanks, Blake. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and bring in our next guest. Super pumped to talk to him. It's Ramil Watley. He is the podcast host and creator of Truck and Hustle. It is a great, fantastic show that you can find in podcast format and on YouTube. So let's go ahead and bring him in.
2: Welcome to the show. Blythe, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing very well. I'm excited to to finally, finally talk to you. Nice to virtually meet. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, it's been I've been following your work for a while, big fan. So I was super pumped when when you you said you agreed to come on the show. So for, uh, for folks who, who aren't aware of your of your platform, uh, Truck and Hustle, give us a little bit of a breakdown of, of, of what the podcast covers and how you started it.
2: Yeah, so uh, to just give a breakdown of what Truck and Hustle is, Truck and Hustle started out as a podcast. Um, it's also a community. Uh, basically, what we do there is we uh, interview the the I like to say the dopest and the greatest and the best minds in transportation, uh, transportation entrepreneurs. We cover different niches, uh, everything from the administrative where you will have like freight brokerage and, and dispatch all the way to, you know, the guys who get their hands dirty, you know, the fleet, the fleet owners, uh, car haulers, dump trucks. We just like to bring awareness to the transportation in- industry as a whole. And uh, we like to inspire and as well as inform uh, people just to bring awareness, man, to, you know, let people know what's going on in this industry. And, uh, you know, that, that's what the goal and the mission of the show is in terms of how we got started. I, the, the podcast actually got started. Uh, what about it, two years ago now, July 2019? Uh, you know, I was just kind of I, I had some time on my hands and I was just looking for something to do uh, like a passion project. I love podcasting. I love the podcast media. And I think it's like the one of the best mediums uh, out there in terms of really having an intimate engagement with your audience. And I've been a podcast fan myself for probably the last 10 years. But typically when I listen to podcasts, I'd always listen to like stuff about real estate or e-commerce or other things that I had interest in uh, myself. I've been in the transportation industry for almost 20 years uh, since wow. the early 2000s. And I'm also an entrepreneur in transportation I've also worked in, worked in corporate for many large carriers. So when I was thinking about this podcasting thing, I was like, you know, I would love to do a podcast one day, but what, what would I do it on? You know, and just one day the thought hit me, you know, you've been in transportation for so long, why don't you do a, a trucking podcast? And, you know, when I kind of did my research to see what was out there, there were uh, some other platforms that were out there, but I didn't really feel as though they were talking to me. And I, I wanted to create something that uh, would resonate with, with myself and create like a culture, you know, around it. So I wanted to do something new, something fresh, and something interesting. And that's kind of where the, the, the inception of Truck & Hustle uh, began. I started reaching out to friends first, you know, people who I knew from the community and people who I've known through my journey. And then I just started reaching out to strangers and just, you know, telling these amazing stories of these entrepreneurs from all across the nation, you know, who've had, come from different backgrounds, Uh, You know, and have had, you know, different paths and experiences and just telling their stories and and, and informing people and and also informing on how they created their businesses and showing that, you know, the opportunity is there, um, it's tangible and and it could be done and and anybody could do it if you have the right education and the right drive. And and that's kind of like the short the short story. I hope I didn't take up too much time.
0: No, I, I, I love it because you just knocked out like three questions that
2: I had on my list. So we're good. I, I, I tend to do that. I, I can tend to be a little bit wordy. You know, I don't ever really get a chance to talk on my own podcast. So when I have an opportunity to talk, I have to vent. Like, you know what I mean? I got to seize the opportunity. I got to seize the moment.
0: No, I, I was looking at your website yesterday and you say that the primary goal is to provide quality information on how to nourish and flourish your trucking company because most won't make it past a year. When you're talking and you're out there sharing knowledge and and talking to other entrepreneurs out in the industry, what are some of the common ways that you're seeing folks fail at first, and how can they avoid those mistakes?
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for failure in in, in business specifically, in business in general, and in trucking specifically. As we all know, trucking is extremely cash-intensive. So a lot of times people just run out of money, right? They, they, they don't have the, the proper safety net or the, the safety nets to get started. You know, as we all know, a, a engine could, you know, a blown engine could put you out of business really fast in transportation. Um, a lot of times it's just poor management, uh, not really having the right team of people around you, not having the proper business plan and, and just not really knowing what you're getting, getting into. You know, 2020 uh, with, the, with the pandemic, it, it kind of made trucking sexy you know, to where people started seeing, like, there's all these opportunities because when everything shut down, you know, the the, the wheels, those 18 wheels kept on rolling. So mm-hmm. it made a lot of people interested in this industry, industry, and a lot of people started to dive into it. But a lot of people got into it for the wrong reasons. You know, maybe they just thought it was a fad or thought it was something that they could just throw money at. And, you know, in, in the industry, it's not something that you could just throw money at because eventually the money will run out if you, if you don't have those fundamentals in place you know, at, at some point, is going to catch up to you. So I think that that's that's the main things. A lot, a lot of times, it's money, poor planning. You know, not having a business plan or just not having the proper education or the proper resources. You know, in order to to continue to get past that one, you know, to two year mark, and and just not having a lot of the right relationships. A lot of times, you know, we go into this not really knowing much, especially if you're fresh and you don't come from the industry, you don't have those relationships. So you have to build those relationships as you go along. And, you know, everybody is not able to, to, to make it happen in that way. So yeah. I think those are some of the things that causes, you know, some of the demise of, of some of these new uh, upstarts.
0: Now, with your platform, you're, you're very vigil- vigilant about sharing industry knowledge. And, and the way you do so is you're, you're conducting video-first interviews. A lot of the times, I think the majority of the time, you're doing these interviews on site. You're doing them in a warehouse. You're doing them on location in the truck yard. You're, you're, you're inside you know a, somebody's office. And I love that because I feel like you get so much more out of the interview when you do them in person. Why was it important for you to do a lot of these interviews in person? and on site
2: yeah so so for a couple of reasons and, and some of them you just now mentioned num- number one you know it doesn't get any more intimate than sitting you know right in front of a person and really you know they they really tend to bear their soul when when they're right there you know first of all you have to have an opportunity to connect with them you know on a personal level before the show so you know when you do things virtually a lot of times you don't have that you know half an hour or so to really get to know the person at first you know when I do my shows when I did a lot of virtual shows, I would try to get that time and we'd usually have a conversation. I would kind of vet people and just kind of get understanding of their business, their goals and so forth and so on. But when you're in person, it's just nothing like that. You, nothing like it. You know, you really get to get to feel that person out. And then once you go into the actual interview, there's just a, another comfort level. Now, there are some negatives to that. Some people aren't used to talking in front of the camera, so you have to make them comfortable because there's all these lights shining on them for, like, the first time, and they're like a movie star all of a sudden. <laughs> but, um, you know, but once they're asking for autographs and, and, and we start talking, it's like they forget the lights, they go away, and then all of a sudden we're just having a really good conversation And I just feel, you know, it's just the best way to get the most out of people and and treasure hunt. I like to call it treasure hunting. You know, like what we do is we treasure hunt. We're looking for those hidden buried treasures inside of people because I feel I feel we all have them. But as Mm -hmm. interviewers, we just have to ask the right questions in order to 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 dig them out. You know what I'm saying? And and then on top of that, um, in addition to going visual, it's just about reach. You know, the podcasting platform is a great platform as far as intimacy and as far as really having that core audience. But in order to get reaching and get the word out, you know, there's still people who don't even know what a podcast is, right? There's still people used to have a podcast and they're like, what's that? You know, they don't know that there's a, a preloaded app in your phone for podcasting that has, you know, hundreds of thousands of podcasts readily available for you. So because of that, because there's still that barrier, you know, you have to go where the people are at. So I felt that it was important to, be, you know, become visual and go on YouTube where you have 5 billion people. And now, you know it's based on search intent, so now people are typing and searching things, and they're falling upon your content, and they can discover you more. And obviously, you know the whole goal is to ha- have more reach and to have people discover the show and to have people discover the message, and and, and that's the goal. So I felt by going visual, it would kind of ten x the reach and get us to a place to where now people are just discovering the show, and also people who are not necessarily niched in just transportation, because we're we're trying to bring people into the industry, as as you see, there's a huge disparity with, with drivers. We have a huge driver shortage. We need people in this industry to keep it going and to keep it thriving. So, you know, in order to reach people who aren't necessarily thinking about the industry, you have to go where they're at. So I felt that adding that visual component was really important in doing so. And, and obviously you have to invest a little bit more. You have to have a team, you have to travel, hotels and all that. But but I enjoy it. And, and so far it, it's been yielding some, some pretty nice benefits and, and returns in terms of engagement and so forth and so on.
0: I love that because you've obviously been doing all the right things because you're speaking of the visuals, you're speaking of discovery and and getting that additional reach. What does that post once you wrap an interview, what does that post production look like for you? Do you have a team of people editing it? Are you in the trenches editing yourself and sending it out to social media platforms? How are you managing
2: all of it? Yeah, so I I have a small team. I have have about two two cameramen that I work with uh, intimately all the time. Uh, one of my camera guys is a, a best friend of mine from childhood. Another another one is a guy who I met several years ago. A, a young a young kid by the name of uh, Chris Forever Rails, and my other guy uh, Kwaku King Nabi. I'll just plug them real quick if anybody needs camera people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so you know um, that that's in terms of the, the actual footage. Now they also do do the edits as well, and then I have an, a a virtual team that I work with as well for edits and and helping me post content. I mean, the team is the most important thing in order for in for growth. You know what I mean? Because you can't do it all yourself, especially as a creative. You have to focus on securing the guests and you have to focus on, you know, like the narrative and how you want the show to go and how you want things to roll out because you're like the CEO of this project and, and, and this offering. So you'd want to kind of take your mind off of the actual execution of creating the content. So yeah. at first, when I got started, I, I did a lot of that myself. You know, I have some a little bit of like very small skills and like, you know, uh in, in in like mixing and editing shows and stuff like that. So I would do it, you know, just the, the audio portion, but when it came to the video, I had no idea about that. So I had to definitely, you know, uh get out the way and, and let the professionals handle that. But um, but yeah, that's pretty much how we do it. We we have a pretty small team. I probably work with about four to five people and and, and that team is is fairly new in terms of just growth now because now we're working on the growth portion. The last uh, two years, we've just been working on building our audience organically and just building that trust and just showing that we're, you know, just just really a source that can be trusted, and 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 just that word of mouth is how we've grown. But now, you know, as as we've grown had had that traction, now it's time to kind of step it up and, and, you know, get, get some more visibility. You know, we want to be out there like freight waves, you know, we want to be out there with you guys,
0: <laughs> you know, no, I mean, so, you're doing a fantastic job. So I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here and I want to like be taking notes off to the side because what you said about, you can't be the one actually editing it too. And I, I handle the editing for, for a lot of my different shows and it's, it's exhausting. So I'm going to yeah, taking I mean, it's, some it's, notes it's off an, to the side.
2: It's an investment, you know, obviously, but it's, it's worth it, you know, and, and you'll see that, and just the, the quality of of the way things come out and just timing and so forth. And and I mean, it's difficult to even work with the team because now you're managing a team and now you have to kind of get your thoughts inside of them. So, I mean, it's like you're so used to doing things on your own and it's like all in your head. So now when you have a team, you're trying to communicate those thoughts to them. So it, it's a process and I'm still going through that process. We're still very new and very young at what we're doing and we're growing and we're just getting better every day. So, you know, that that that's pretty much it
0: with all the people that you've interviewed and you've talked to do you have a a favorite story that 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 has come from that
2: there's so many stories and <laughs> i you know i get i've i've been asked this question a few times um you know there's so many stories i mean i i <laughs> I, I i love to see just people who come from you know uh either impoverished conditions or uh, just challenging situations come from, you know, in, in, uh, being imprisoned or, uh, you know, come from situations to where it just looked like, you know, they just had such a slim shot at winning and just really being able to turn that around and just create these businesses. And, and they don't always have to be the biggest businesses. They can be small businesses, but it's just really inspiring to see people from all different walks of life just be able to just have the drive and motivation and 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 the that that go getter spirit and mentality just make it happen, and just in a lot of cases not even know what they're getting into, but they just find their way. So all those stories kind of really just inspire me. I, I love the underdog story. You know, mm-hmm. I love Rocky. One, two, three, four. Maybe <laughs> not five so much, <laughs> but I, I love the underdog story. I love to see people come from nothing and turn it into something. Mm-hmm. You know that that really that. resonates with me. So anytime I see a story like that. It's 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 awesome to me. So I'd say those are like kind of like my favorite stories, and 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 I think those are the most inspiring stories because we have a lot of people out there, you know, who are down on their luck and they feel like you know they don't have opportunities or or, or they can't do it. And when they see when they see people like that make it happen, you know, it, it changes the whole trajectory of some, of people's life in, in in some cases, and and that's inspiring to me. When I get direct messages and and and, and emails saying, you know, you literally. Not me, but you, they'll say me, but it's not me. It's all of us. It's the collective. The show has literally changed my life. When I heard yes. this person or I heard this story, it literally made me start my business. And now I have a government contract that's worth two million dollars. Or I, wow. I mean, it gets no better than that. That, that. So that has become my purpose. And I just love to see those messages. I get them. I get them all the time. And all I can say is, man, congratulations. I love it. And just do me a favor. Don't stop.
0: I love that. That and nothing helps us connect with somebody else more than than realizing the struggle and and breaking through that struggle and 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 rising to the top. It's it's it's, it's been incredible to watch a lot of the different and listen to a lot of the different stories that you've been putting out cuz it's really inspiring work. And Thank and where you. you promote a lot of your stories is is through Instagram and I saw a post the other day that said you were leaving Instagram and Twitter <laughs> and you were going to LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> is is that now yeah. is that yeah, real? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to
2: so, LinkedIn or so, I actually so it's funny when I put that post up, people started asking me, well, what's your LinkedIn name gonna be? For, I, I've been on LinkedIn forever, first of all, right? <laughs> so it's like nothing's really changing here. I told people <laughs> that I'll be Airbnb my Instagram. So anybody who wants to take take over it, feel free. But 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 no, that that post was just simply um, you know, every platform is different in terms of the way we communicate. and and, and Instagram tends to get a bit messy at times. And, you know, it just seems when I'm on LinkedIn, it's just not as messy, you know. So <laughs> I was just kind of venting. and I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of the mess because, listen, my, the, pl- the Truck and Hustle platform is all about love. It's all about unity. You'll see a lot of times in my posts, I'll say, you know, we're stronger together. We have to stick together. We have to be unified. We have to work together, you know. Um And and especially us as minorities, we're minorities in in transportation, you know, so we we have to stick together. We have to, you know, make sure that we, 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 you know, the silly stuff just has to be put to the side. So that was just me kind of venting, just putting a message out there to anybody who follows me to just say, hey, you know, we're about unity. We're about building each other up. And if y'all don't stop it, I'm moving to LinkedIn permanently. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're turning this car around. I'm, now, I'm moving <laughs> to LinkedIn permanently. I'm, cha- I'm packing my bags. But uh, but no, it was just really in jest. I- I'm not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> so with, with I mean, obviously you have a huge social media presence, uh, but for somebody who's new, who's starting up a new trucking company, what are one one or two platforms that you would suggest that they get started on?
2: Well, definitely um, FreightWaves, for one. I mean, you guys are, are the standard in terms of just education and resources. I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, e- everybody knows that. And whoever doesn't know that, I mean, y- you guys for sure. And then I-, I would just say, if you really just want to kind of educate yourself, I know one thing that I do that's kind of like a little hack is I-, I-, I use Google Alerts. I use Google Alerts for every, uh, every single topic that I'm interested in. I just put those Google Alerts, let- let's say it's last mile. And I'll put it in Google, and then at four o'clock in the morning, there's like a thousand stories popping up on my phone. And then I'll just like you know look through them, and and, and one that looks interesting. Obviously, I'm not going to read all of them. I don't have all that time. (laughs) But if something looks interesting, I mean that's going to capture the majority of the stories that's happening daily in terms of just educating yourself on what's going on in the industry. So I would always recommend to people, you know, if you want to just learn about different topics, use Google Alerts. If you want to learn about what's going on consistently in the industry. In terms of just you know spot market and 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 all these different things, Freight waves is definitely the, the the source and Truck and hustle is working to become one of those sources as well so um so that that's what I would say for right now but keep it simple man I mean you don't have to go crazy you know all over the place just find one true source for content and just double down on that because it's diff- there's so much different content in so many different places you have to find that true source and that true North Star and just kind of stay there and just you know dig into that content. Uh, Deeply. I
0: love it. All right. Last question, and real quick, where can people follow Truck and Hustle and and all of your work?
2: Yeah. So you can find Truck and Hustle on all podcast streaming platforms Spotify, uh, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. We're on YouTube. So anywhere, you know, that streaming podcast and YouTube, you can find us. uh, You can find me on Instagram. All of my socials are Truck and Hustle. That's T R U C K N, the letter N. H-U-S-T-L-E hustle. Uh, Twitter is Truck and Hustle Pod. That's the only one. They, somebody got my, I don't know how they got <laughs> to it before me, but they did. If you if you're listening to this, I need that handle. Uh, and yeah, obviously the website, truckandhustle.com. We have a lot to come on the website as well. So look out for more things happening. And we're just building the brand. We're taking our time. You know, anything worth having takes time. And we're just, you know, going slow but steady. And just, you know, trying to really be a, a, a force to be reckoned with in terms of just educating people and inspiring people to, to, to gain uh, interest and enter into this transportation industry.
0: Perfect. I love it. it. It's been wonderful to watch your grow. So I appreciate your time today.
2: For sure. Blake. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Signing off. Take care.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, what a great couple of interviews today. That This is so much knowledge that's been dropped in just this one episode alone. So I hope you guys will tune in for the following week. If you want to catch a replay of this, check it out on YouTube on, on the FreightWaves platform. And we will be back here. I am Blythe Brumley next week at 2 p.m. right here on FreightWaves.